Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comics or a graphic novel. I am one of your co-hosts, Alexis. Oh, I'm Anne. And I am Dallas. I was trying to figure out what you meant with like the pointing thing. You just like, no, you talk. <laughs> like, oh, I tried something new and it was like 75% there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do the next part, Lex. Oh, That's well, part of I'm being sorry. the big intro girl. Sorry. And today's episode, we are covering the Green Arrow himself in Archer's Quest. And I don't know who it's by because I forgot. Bam, bam, bam. Brad Meltzer and Phil there Hester. Andre Parks. And Andre Parks. Beautiful stuff. I was going to say Brad and Lisa because I thought it was funny, but then I was like, I feel like that's 75% there, but no. It's good. It's good. It's a good opening. We've done great so far. Yeah. If this is your first episode of the Comics Collective, this is the quality level you can expect every time. Oh, this is, this is better. The funny than, thing is, is he's not wrong. <laughs> We are so happy to be back with you. It has been a while since we did just like a normal mm-hmm. ass episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We keep inviting on. people on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep inviting people on, doing interviews, doing like big reading of an entire saga of comics. And mm-hmm. we read six issues this week that we're just going to talk about. We're like back to the norm. <laughs> and like six of the most chill superhero issues you're ever going to read in your life. There's like one fight in this whole book. And um, yeah, I, I'm i really, really interested to see what you two thought of it, because I read the story before. But Lexi, what was this story about? What were these six issues about? So correct me if I'm wrong, also, because I also went into this very blind, and I feel like I slightly need context as to how we got here. But um, with this one, we see the resurrection of our lovely little man in green tights, Um Oliver, Oliver Queen, right? How did I want to say McQueen? Like the race car. Uh, That's wrong. Kachow. Kachow. Kachuga. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a story where we follow his resurrection and kind of like his little, it's like a personal adventure, I guess. He rounds up some old buddies, goes on a scavenger hunt for some of his old weird shit, and... That's the easiest way I could put it. It's kind of wholesome, kind of fun, kind of crazy. He goes, and and f- he goes and finds his horcruxes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, just, okay, so to give you context, because you weren't here for the um, the Quiver episode that we did. And what happens during Quiver is Oliver Queen is brought back from the dead. He's resurrected. He's brought back as a shell with no soul. And then to defeat the bad guy, he gets his soul back. Yada, yada. Starts establishing himself back in... Um, his city gets all set up and this is what takes place immediately after when he's like I have some unfinished business I need to go round up I need to go get my stuff before it falls into the wrong hands because the guy I asked to do it for me kind of flopped on the job so we need to pick up some slack mm-hmm. and it was just like this cathartic heartfelt journey through the history of the character of Green Arrow mm-hmm. which was a ton of fun yeah, and I wanted to ask you, Dallas, like, how do you, do you think, like, 
because a lot of Quiver was very much that as well. It's like, this is who the character was. It's reintroducing audiences to who Oliver Queen is supposed to be. Do you feel like this was rehashing on any of that? Or do you feel like this was needed after the character was reestablished in Quiver? No, because I feel like Quiver was a little bit like, this is a reset of the personality of mm-hmm. Oliver Queen. This is who this character is going to be moving forward. And Archer's Quest felt a little bit more like a loving nod to the history of Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. Like, you can fully jump on to Quiver and just read it having read No Other Green Arrow. And then this one, it felt almost like the slideshow episode of the clip show episode yeah. of the comic book. Um, and like some of those clips made me very happy. Like I'm a huge fan of the O'Neill and Adams Green Arrow Green Lantern comic. And so seeing that truck and having that issue about how Ollie and Hal were so close felt very cathartic to me. And I can't even imagine being a bigger Green Arrow fan. I imagine each of these issues felt a little bit like that. Oh yeah, for sure. And speaking, it's just like, as a first time Green Arrow reader jumping into this, Lexi, what did you think about the story? How did it hit you? I thought it was really fun. I feel like for me, it didn't hit quite as deep maybe for others, Mm -hmm. um, like as it would for others. Um, I feel like I didn't really know that there was a backstory with, um, Green Lantern and Green Arrow. I didn't know that they were friends. I didn't know how that was. So I feel like with the issue that Dallas mentioned, like it was fun, but I feel like it didn't have a lot of magnitude to me, if that makes sense. So I would have to say like this run as a whole is kind of similar. Like it was fun. I liked it, but I feel like it didn't have like a ton of depth because I didn't have any like emotional connection to these characters yet. But I enjoyed it. I would definitely not make me not want to read more (laughs) that's what you want to hear it doesn't make me not want to read it (laughs) exactly Um, were there any emotional beats that did land with you um i feel like specifically was his name roy that's right right the redhead with the sunglasses yes that's right okay yes i feel like their back and forth several times did hit a little bit better um because I feel like when we initially found out what Oliver had been up to, like he had had somebody go and destroy all of his shit basically um, and how Roy was so hurt by that, like I could definitely feel that. I could tell like, oh, yeah, he's somebody that cares about what Oliver is doing and not in the way that Oliver wants him to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I could tell there was history between the two of them. Yeah, so Lex, for your context, Roy was Green Arrow's Robin. Basically. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it's like if Batman didn't trust Robin to take yeah. care of his affairs after he died and he like went to Two-Face instead. <laughs> okay. Which is actually funny that you mention that because I don't, if you've read like um, Night Quest and Nightfall and all that fun stuff, there's a really cool moment with Robin in it because Batman gets his bat broken and instead of going to um, Tim Drake or going to Dick Grayson to replace him, he goes to an outsider. He goes to Azrael and it's like, hey, I need you to be Batman for a while because um, uh, my back's kind of out. So if you could take care of everything, that'd be great. And there's that moment where Dick comes up to him afterwards and it's like, yo, what the hell? <laughs> I mm. thought we were close. I thought we were like, you know, the dynamic duo. Why would you go to someone outside the family for this? And then 
they have a very similar like father son moment and i love it i love it so much when the relationship between hero and sidekick becomes like father and son like parent and child it's so so cool it never gets old i like better when they are emotionless loners that <laughs> treat the little ones stand each other like when batman calls them his soldiers that is really oh oh can't tell me. which side <laughs> first you're batting excited. towards the darsky now you're batting against him you're just starting <laughs> trouble <laughs> Green Arrow is so interesting because that Jack Kirby Batman ripoff origin makes me like always compare the two in my head all the time. And so it just feels fun to know what Batman would be like if he wasn't a conservative Republican, you know, like Mm -hmm. if Batman wasn't a Republican and had a sense of humor, he'd be Green Arrow. Oh, we're going to get eaten alive. We're going to get devoured. I'm so glad the podcast doesn't have a comment section. It's so great. We do. It's called Twitter. (laughs) But, you know, it's so great comparing him to Batman because even though the two have very different ideological approaches to what they do, it's great to see that Green Arrow screws up just as much, especially in, like, the personal department. Because, you know, first, not trusting Rory, that's a huge one. And then that revelation that comes at the end, that he's been lying to Connor, and that he actually knew he had a son from day one. He's just an absentee dad, not a secret absentee dad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the part that, that that makes the whole build up worth it to me. That makes the entire road trip, it makes sense why he would get that frame first. Because it's like, everything else is like... It kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, he needs to get the diamond. He needs to get the ring. He's thinking about proposing to Dinah, trying to complete that part of his life again. But why would he get the the Justice League thing first? That makes no sense. But then that revelation just shakes me to the core every time. That Just him looking at that chest and knowing that if that ever came to life, it would destroy their relationship. It's, it's terrifying. I agree. I feel like this comic does a really good job of feeling very human and grounded. I think one of the big strengths of green arrow has always been his relatability. Like he almost feels like a Marvel character, like dropped into the middle of the DC universe. Right. Like we all tease and say like Hawkeye is ridiculous on the Avengers, but like Tony Stark is also just a dude and like like they aren't quite the same as the Justice League who are literal gods among men and then this dude with a funky little arrow, you know? <laughs> it's a, a little bit crazier. And so he's always such a fun POV character to be cruising around the DC universe with. Which is good because it makes sense that the, the Robin Hood of the DC universe would be an everyman. That he would be someone that you could relate to, someone that would talk to you in the street. And someone who, just like any of us, makes some really dumb mistakes. And is trying his best to live up to those and to make it better. Did you have any other favorite parts from the book, Lex? Um... I feel like the scene where he was like gonna propose was really sad, and I was like, "No, just do it. Why did you not do it?" Brutal. But um, and also the scenes with Grundy were very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Those hit kind of hard. They were kind of cool. Um, funnily enough, I don't know if anybody ever plays the Injustice games. No, never, not once. 
Yep. Anne was like globally ranked, Alexis. Yeah. I know that. That's why I said it that way, jerk. <laughs> oh. But in the campaign, uh, Green Arrow is the one that fights Grundy in the second Injustice. There's a lot of lines from this fight that are directly in that that combat dialogue in I those love games. It so much. Yep. I love it. I love the bit about how strong Green Arrow is. Like that really for whatever reason that like tickled my brain. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm jacked to pull back this bone arrow. So I will beat the snot out of you, zombie Hulk. Look, I'm not like a person who's gonna like look up feats about characters or anything. I don't I don't give a shit. But I love it when moments happen like this where it's like, this is just how fucking strong this guy is. And I'm like, okay, yeah, pop off, be crazy, do insane things. And I love fight scenes that have to be creative with their characters. Like, I love Oliver Queen going up against Solomon Grundy because it's David versus Goliath. And you have to be, see the hero be really ingenuitive and creative in how he takes out the bad guy. And I think that's so cool. Absolutely. So, Anne, this was your mm-hmm. pick. Talk to us a little bit about why Archer's Quest works so well for you as a comic book. I think... Back when I was reading um, Green Arrow for the first time, it was one of the, back when I was first picking up comics and I was starting to venture outside the New 52, looking for DC characters that I kind of click with, people recommended the Kevin Smith run for Green Arrow. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's read it. And I read it and it's it's fine. It's cool. It's whatever. I think it took me a bit to get into because there was so much back lore you need to know just for why he was dead in the first place, how he came back. There's all these random characters and these relationships that you're just like, there's so much here to take in. And I think when they hit um, Archer's Quest right after, and the Meltzer run starts, and um, I forget who takes over after. I think it's... Winnick. Winnick, right. Thank you. Yeah. And when he takes over after, this really sets up the status quo for that. This is a book that made jumping into Green Arrow really, really easy for me because it made him into that everyman. It made him someone who was so intriguing and complex i liked seeing a hero who had these really complicated personal relationships that weren't always pristine and i wanted to see how those developed i wanted to see how the relationship between him and roy would change and i was intrigued by how much it had already changed in the past between just you know roy's problems with drugs and him being his old sidekick who's now out on his own doing his own thing kind of like don't comb my hair mom i'm (laughs) i'm i'm fine and you know, the relationship between him and Dinah and how that would progress. It's classic soap opera comics at their best, I think. And getting that intro to the Green Arrow family that way, I think this is what really spoke to me. I liked that dynamic. Absolutely. I think one of the big strengths of Green Arrow is his humanity, right? Because, I don't know, I feel like I can't help but compare him to Batman, like I said earlier. And in doing that, I find that Green Arrow tends to have emotional relationships that I can relate to mm-hmm. a little bit more often than Bruce Wayne does. Right. And I feel like there's this inner goodness to Green Arrow that Batman has at his best. But the core of Batman tends to be a character who is shaped by tragedy and vengeance. Mm-hmm. And Green Arrow falls a little bit more into the Superman mold where it's someone who wants to do right for right's sake instead of right because of as a reaction to bad. And so he tends to carry like a lighter tone, but that doesn't necessarily mean that his life is any easier. 
than, say, a Batman. Because really, what I've realized this last week is that my favorite aspects of superhero comics tend to be those soap opera relationships, right? When a run has gone too long without establishing a good supporting cast or good interpersonal stakes, I kind of lose interest. So that was really fun to have here in this comic. Yeah, you need that great supporting cast. Um, Lexi, how about you? How did this compare? Because we've read a few Batman comics before. How did this compare to those? How does Oliver Queen compare as a hero, as a character to you? I feel like with Oliver, he definitely, of course, has that more lighthearted personality, which I feel like makes him a little bit easier to find approachable if that makes sense i feel like the batman comics that we've read throughout the podcast um spicy take have not been my favorite the Mm -hmm. comics i feel like i specifically the comics dallas don't make think don't make a face at me i feel like we have read better comics on here that i've read than the batman ones so i feel like i would rank this one more because i liked the way that it made it seem more approachable um I feel like with Oliver, like, of course, he isn't the Batman. So I feel like they get to have a lot more of a fun, lighthearted take with him. But he still does have that depth in him as a character. And I feel like that doesn't get lost. And it didn't for sure in this one. So I feel like it just kind of depends. I would say I like this one a little bit more for me. But I don't know. I liked it. What is it in something like Batman Zero Year that doesn't work for you that does work here? I don't know. I feel like for myself, and I can't, I don't even know if I could put it into the right words, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Batman takes, like, they take Batman comics too seriously. Like, I understand that he is a serious character and, like, whatever that's just his personality but i feel like they put too much weight into the comics of like this is a batman comic instead of like oh batman's a person who does this also and i feel like that's why this run specifically spoke to me with oliver's because like yeah he has like this is his family this is his life these are the people that he cares about because he was put into the place that he was as a superhero I feel like those just speak better to me in general, but. Can I give a super spicy meatball take about Batman? Yeah, please. Um, I know people get very mad when you do like the Bruce Wayne is the mask. Batman is the real character, right? I cannot remember the last time outside of maybe Tom King's run. And to an extent, Grant Morrison's run, but not fully Grant Morrison's run, where Bruce Wayne was even a character. Like, Mm -hmm. the idea of this person doing anything other than being Batman all the time. Like, it even, you can feel it in how his stories creep more and more into the daytime. Like, he's 24 hours a day Batman. There's never been a story that's like, I'm doing this all the time now. It just, like, the stories don't give a shit about what he's doing other than being the world's greatest detective, other Mm -hmm. than like, just go, 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 go all the time. And I agree with Alexis a lot of the time where there comes a point where I do not care about Bruce Wayne as much as even like Oliver Queen. I tangibly like Batman more than Green Arrow. 
Like it's just, it's mm-hmm. not a competition which character I like more. And yet I want Oliver to succeed. I felt really heartbroken that his proposal didn't happen because this story is about a man named Oliver Queen who also happens to be Green Arrow instead of just Batman, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there's a gravitas that comes with the name Batman, that comes with that mantle. You can, like, because this is just a simple book about a road trip. And Green Arrow gets a few of those. And I couldn't imagine a Batman road trip. And it's happened a few times before, but not like this. Like, I'm thinking All-Star Batman by Scott Snyder, where he's on a road trip with Harvey. But the whole time he's as Batman, he's fighting people with chainsaws. It's balls to the wall action from start to finish. It's not the same thing. You know, this is just a character trying to recover his own past. And I can't remember the last time Bruce Wayne cared about Bruce Wayne's own past or his history. It's like his trauma turns him into Batman and then bat- that becomes Batman's issue. His his problems are Batman's problems. Well, I just, I think it's a fertile ground that I hope Chip Zdarsky explores moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, this is becoming a Batman podcast, but... <laughs> um, I don't know. I want to know what the hell Bruce Wayne is up to. I want to see him having a role. I One of my favorite eras, I'll tie it back to Green Arrow with this, is again, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, their approach mm-hmm. to Batman as this globetrotting James Bond style character that had like this deep romance with Talia al Ghul and was like finding a mentor in Raz al Ghul, who then, but he couldn't side with because he was a bad guy. You know, like there was real drama and stakes that felt personal in a way that the comics haven't felt in a while and so when you look at a character like green arrow it's interesting that that o'neill adams touch of i mean the really the denny o'neill approach of making these characters feel real with real human problems with real emotions real interactions they cared about what was going on in the world around them it's interesting that that seemed to stick better with Green Arrow than it did with Batman. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I just like him. I like Green Arrow. Say all these Batman comparisons, and we haven't yet compared him to Hawkeye, who we did a whole episode on. So I don't feel like they have that much in common. They don't. Other than the bow and arrow. Hawkeye <laughs> is kind of a little trash panda that like rolls out of his apartment every <laughs> once in a while. And Yeah. What's Ollie? And Oliver has bi-wife energy. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I loved. Okay, let's get into Stan Twitter mode here. The okay. fucking pages where Barbara Gordon was pissed at, about Dinah flirting with Ollie. I was like, Barbara, she can love you both. <laughs> Barbara was fully grumpy at Ollie Queen in this comic. Like being all snappy and mean to him and then like talking shit about him. I was I'm... like, I was like, you are so in love with Dinah. Like, <laughs> tell Dick Grayson to go off with his little orange girlfriend, and you go destroy that woman. Like you love her, <laughs> you are in love. I want you to be in Stan Twitter mode so much more. <laughs> it was so funny, I, because like, here's the thing, Dinah. I feel like, yeah. listen, she appreciates how dutiful of a girlfriend Barbara Gordon is when she's out doing things with the birds of prey. Okay. She likes getting her lunch packed. She likes 
Barbara has some really strong hands from all of that typing. Queen finger blaster. But Oliver Queen is the cunnilingus king. And you would think that your girlfriend would be better at it. But he's the one man on earth that is better at finding the target. Oh, Lord. Lordy. I knew we would not make it through this episode without commenting. I knew it was going to come back. I'm just glad it came back the way it did. That was wonderful. Frankly, frankly, I think Oliver Queen can sling some dick. Because, like, (laughs) what else is he bringing? Dinah, Barbara is more interesting. She is smarter. She's a more stable partner. Oliver Queen just has to have the craziest dick game in the DC universe. (laughs) Because it's not like no one else is offering Black Canary. She's the hottest character there. Every single character is like, hey, Black Canary. And she's like, the guy with the goatee and the Robin Hood hat, he's for me. <laughs> he has got to have the craziest long shaft yeah. in the I DC mean, universe. He's, he knows how to knock a shaft. I just, that's, that's just how it is. That's 150 powers of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's I'm... yeah, fully crazy. But I loved that. I loved Barbara being mean to to Ollie because I was like, "You are both in love with Dinah. I, I know it." I love the moment where she's <laughs> playing the old man card with them. She's like, "Oh yeah, just hold hold it up out the window, and I'll take a picture from the side." That was so funny. I <laughs> fell for it. I fell for. It. I was like, "She can do that," and then she's like, "I can't do that, you old man." And I was like, "Oh." I uh, love the fact that he's like, "I knew you were kidding," but he definitely held that up to the window. Hmm. Just to add a little bit of the girlfriend, Barbara, uh, I love how the earrings that she gave to Black Canary are bat-shaped. Absolutely. She was marking her territory 100%. (laughs) And that's why she was mad that Ollie had them. I can't wait to get in some Birds of Prey with you. This is going to be so great. Listen, those bitches were like Barbie dolls in the basement is is the euphemism I'm going to use. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm, mm. whose Barbie dolls were mm. those? <laughs> I'm mm. going to sign off from you, everybody. <laughs> Do you need Come. a minute, Lexi? Come Maybe. down and just find a Barbie orgy every Tuesday. I... <laughs> and Ken you were surprised. Be... Ken is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> and you were surprised three months ago? No. Ken is off on his rollerblades like... He wasn't even invited. <laughs> Ken is not invited to the orgy. No. I'm so sorry. He shouldn't even be in the movie. The end. Ken shows up and Oliver Queen's already there. It's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> nah, it was the G.I. Joes, but proceed. It's... <laughs> Very true. Duke, is that you? And Snake Eyes pops up like. <laughs> no, it was my little Star Wars action figures that were three inches to the Barbie's oh, you one had foot. Star Wars action figures. Okay. Interesting. The plot thickens. No, we got, they all got thrown away. That's when he decided to hate them. <laughs> so true. I, I'm going to throw it out there, though. I don't think Roy Harper, who is also a great archer, slings dick like Oliver Queen. No. Clearly not. Nope. <laughs> Hold up. Like the, <laughs> fact, the fact that Roy Harper had a child, I was like, who let you, Roy? Who? <laughs> who? How did that happen? Who among us? The most uninterested woman in existence is like, yeah, I guess that's my kid. Mm-hmm. Things happen. I mean, I guess. Oliver Queen can't help but fall into a heteronormative relationship. 
<laughs> He's like, whoa, whoa, oh no! Another powerful woman? Darn. <laughs> Oliver Queen's game is like what every author has tried to give to Hal Jordan forever. Yo. And he just does it naturally. Like, Yo. he doesn't even try. It just happens by accident. Grant Morrison's Green Lantern fucked. No, he doesn't. He no, fucks. How Jordan fucks. His Earth-11 counterpart uh, fucks. False. <laughs> Earth-11 Green Lantern was a punk ass. I, oh, I meant Carol. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, no, she's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, no. How Jordan... Sling's dick as well. I'm not gonna lie. I did they fuck on their road trip? Yeah, <clears throat> at least once. Just who to was try the it. bottom? Who was the bottom? Oh fucking Hal! I don't think so. I think really? Hal would. Th- Hal gives me big. It's only gay to receive energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> was it your goal to have a more? more cursed conversation than the one we had in our quiver episode was that your goal <laughs> walking in no, like, conversation but if i can talk about how jordan was receiving for five seconds no how jordan Perfect. has never has never been a bottom in his no. whole life never taken it he's like uh i'm not gay now ollie go on <laughs> oliver's like Wait, what pardon how you would like, think... I'm not gay. My favorite movie is Top Flight. I'm Top Gun, but Top I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for homoerotic tension, but I'm not gay. <laughs> mm. Oh, Hal Jordan. No, I think Hal Jordan slings dick for sure. Um, you would think as well, being married to Black Canary, who is like got a sonic scream, that all of... But like... Oliver is the screamer in that relationship for sure. (laughs) If you are in Seattle and you hear like, "Ah!" it is not Dinah Lance. (laughs) It is Oliver Queen getting the strap. Frankly, (laughs) I'm going to keep going. And if no one interrupts me, I I can't interrupt you because I can't breathe. (laughs) Ollie is. They definitely have a strap. They fully have a strap. Listen, and it's emerald colored. He thinks about the road trip. <laughs> Dinah's like, I'm not so sure about that. And he's like, are we going to talk about Barbara Gordon? She's like, all right, you can have the emerald strap. <laughs> Lordy. I got a, got a little green lantern symbol at the tip. Fucking archive of our own could never. That's all I'm saying. I will not stand for this how Jordan doesn't have sex slander. No way. No way. He's a playboy. Okay. Batman, I, on the other hand, Batman is never. No Batman one taught never. Batman. No. <laughs> Batman has a strap, but has never used it. Batman once was in Seattle. Like, what are all those noises? <laughs> <laughs> He's like standing no, at the Batman, window. <laughs> Batman received a strap as a gift and said, "What's this? What is that? Some sort of new from Oliver?" Rang. <laughs> he threw it at the Joker. <laughs> I call this the Bat Baton. <laughs> Selena's like, no, it's not what it's for. What else would I need a foot long black rubber thing cylinder for? <laughs> it's to beat oh, the crime out of them. We were, we were talking about a book at some point. I'm or still talking book. about the book. Uh, everyone listening, I'm so sorry. 
I might have instigated, but um, I didn't. I, that got a little out of hand, and I'm so sorry. What? I'm pulling up my note. I'm pulling up my notes app. <laughs> I want you to post the notes apology as soon as we're done. No context. <laughs> I have wronged you all by being too funny on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry to that one guy that said I make too many penis jokes. Oh, you, were prob- oh. you were probably right. They're going to be so upset. Listen, good, good. <laughs> oh, so moving away from the, moving away from the dick. What was the most heartfelt moment in this comic for you? That's a good question. It's, it's hard because I feel like. Oliver learned a lot as a person, but he's, there's still things he's trying to make better. Like the relationship between him and, um, and Connor. Did I say? Yes. Yeah. You said Connor. Connor. Yeah, Connor. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, is that his name? Why am I, why am I blanking on that? But yeah, the relationship between them, like he's asking him to go on patrols. He's trying to make up for lost time. And we understand why now we understand that guilt that's underlying this relationship. And I think the fact that Oliver's tr- trying now means a lot i don't think it's enough to rectify the fact that he ran but it's definitely you can feel that he wants to do better and i think that's great him coming back from the dead and wanting to be better than he was before i think that's a great place for the character to start and in the run to come it's a really great starting point for all the character arcs that follow whether they go through or not (laughs) I think one of the really cool things that this comic demonstrates is that one of the primary ways that you maintain a relationship is through time. Mm -hmm. We see Ollie understanding that with his death, he almost missed out on the continuation of these relationships. And so he prioritizes spending time with the people that are important in his life. Mm -hmm. And it serves as a great reminder to us as the reader that, we as well should be prioritizing that time, right? Because we're not going to have some hocus pocus magic way to like get a cosmic reset button. And so it's important to to be there for the people in our life now in the way that Oliver was. Um, yeah. I want to... Oh, no, you go. Oh, I was going to say, and the understanding that those relationships take time and energy from you because they can't... You can't just take a break from it and come back and expect everything to be the same because that's why you came back and expected like, hey, I can just propose to Dinah. And Dinah's like, actually, you no, know I'm kind of doing my own thing. So I hope you don't really rush into anything. We need to build this back up. And I think that's very important, too, because I think a lot of people will expect things from other people just because they had a relationship in the past. It's like you have to keep putting effort into that to maintain that friendship, to maintain that relationship. When it's so easy to just want to take the easy route, especially in romantic relationships. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To just be like, we both know we love each other. Can we just skip to the part where we're madly in love? And the reality is you can't skip the hard work. Like you have to be there for each other in a consistent way. And if you've gotten to a place in your relationship where that's no longer the status quo, you have to do the hard work to get back to the status quo. Mm-hmm. Like There are no shortcuts in relationships. Oh, yeah. And I really liked that Dinah pointed that out. Like, we're not going to rush into all of a sudden being engaged just because we both are wanting to give this another shot. Really, really big fan of that. Um, I want to I want to touch on whether you think it was good or bad at the end when Ollie says, I'm not going to tell Connor this because things are so good now. Do you think it is important to have hard conversations even when everything's going good? Or do you think that 
sometimes it's okay to let things just be good for a while. Oh, I feel like I'm a pretty firm believer in addressing things as they come. So I feel like if you're in a good spot, sometimes that can create a good situation for you to be able to present something bad. Um, Of course, there's always going to be emotions of every individual and they're all valid and we can't change how someone will feel about a situation no matter what the case is. So I feel like for me, I feel like Ollie should say something. I feel like Connor deserves to know. Um, But I feel like it's up to Ollie to continue to pursue that relationship after the fact as well. Because if he was just like, oh, here's this terrible thing. Oh, you're mad at me. Okay, bye. Then that's really like telling exactly what you guys just said. Like you need to work on it. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't think it's something he needs to hide. I think in the aftermath of Quiver and the fact that Connor is currently recuperating from being shot in the actual head, I think it's a good idea not to drop it on him now. It's like, hey, I know you literally just recovered from a nearly fatal gun wound. Um, I always knew you were my son. Um, Okay, let's go hunt now. Everything good? We good? I think waiting for the right moment is important. But I think that Oliver is using that as a mechanism to just say, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. Every single day. I'll just, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. It'll be fine. And he keeps putting it off because of his fear of how it's going to go down. And I think that's not healthy because if he finds out from anyone but Oliver, it's going to tank that relationship in a way that it can't recover from if Oliver was the one to tell him himself. I agree with that a lot. Um, my final question before maybe we move into listener questions, or obviously I'll give you both a shot at question too but um are both of you familiar with the show arrow did you both watch arrow at all up until about season three i realized about what they're going to use the female characters for so uh alexis did not watch arrow arrow was like a very dark gritty take on green arrow where he was basically like green batman that had a bow and arrow with these like broad head arrows he was just like murkin people he was like a really young guy real like macho very different personality from this so i guess my main question would be do we like this version of oliver queen or do we like that more like dark green defender of the night green arrow from the show arrow um i a thousand percent i prefer this green arrow and i think it's it goes back to a lot what we were talking about the difference between Batman and Green Arrow. And I feel like this version of Green Arrow lets Oliver Queen into that character. Oliver Queen is Green Arrow. Green Arrow is Oliver Queen. That personality is part of his superhero persona. And I think, you know, making him darker, making him grittier, that's not who Oliver Queen is as a person. So it makes the two feel like two separate entities, if that makes sense. It's just... It feels like it's being done better in Gotham. So I don't get why Green Arrow should have to do it too, you know? Mm -hmm. I think something I appreciate about Green Arrow is he's one of the few superheroes that feels like a grown-up. Like a lot of them feel like they are arrested in like young adulthood or adolescence. And they don't... I It's hard to buy when 
Bruce Wayne is like, I'm getting old, unless it's like the Dark Knight Returns. It's like, right. are you getting old? But like when Oliver Queen is like, I feel like the old man in the room. Like, I believe him for some reason. He just has, he feels like a dad yeah. in a way that is interesting to read. And so I really loved that this comic was so much about like the father-son relationship that he has with both Roy, who is sort of like an adopted son, and Connor, who is his literal son. Oh, I would love a comic that like Connor finds out, maybe this happened, but Connor finds out that Ollie always knew and chose Roy as his son instead. And like, I would love for a black writer to write that because I feel like there could be some really interesting about like the kind of son that Oliver Mm -hmm. was expecting, especially because like, I feel like you could tie in a lot of really fun things with how Denny O'Neill wrote Green Arrow as like a very well-meaning, but like very white liberal. Oh, yeah. And then it was like, oh, good guy, Oliver Queen. Like he left this baby out to dry. And then he went and like found this other kid that he could mm-hmm. lift up as his poster child. Maybe that story happened, but I feel it, like that would be so interesting. I wish I could answer if it still happened. Cause it's been about six years since I read this entire run. It feels feels ripe for a discussion. It does. Because he has a different relationship with each of his boys. Mm-hmm. And even now, after all the, you know, crisis retcons, that relationship has changed. I don't even know what the current status quo between Oliver and Connor is. I don't even know if they, like, know about each other, really. Because they haven't... Connor's just been back since the beginning of Infinite Frontier. So I have no idea what's going on there. It was fun to see him kick Damian Wayne's butt. So much fun. It did feel a little bit like beating up a child, though. Like, I don't care what the art says. Like, Damian Wayne is fully 12 years old. Yeah. And Connor Hawk is, like, in his, like, 20s. And yeah, so it, kick that kid's ass. It felt a little bit like in the original Karate Kid, when Mr. Miyagi, like, beats up those 18-year-olds, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, this ancient man, like, used kung fu karate to defeat like these rippling young men and then in the jackie chan remake when it's like a bunch of 10 year olds are like yeah and then jackie chan just beats the shit out of them you're like this is less cool this feels more like child abuse i don't look it's damian wayne you can he's i love him he's a little gremlin you can beat the shit out of damian wayne use that child use that child hit him hit him hard i would literally every time i saw him i would put a post-it note on his back saying kick me that's that's Thump how we affectionately tweet, <laughs> treating um, Damian Wayne. Smack I him hope, with that bow. I hope Batman hits him really hard in Batman versus Robin. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's gonna make that book worth it is I I want the same scene where Dick pulls the cape over his head and just starts going to town, just punching <laughs> him in the face. Outstanding work. Beautiful. The best moment of DC animation in the last ten years, to be honest. I want him to hit him with the Batmobile. Okay. <laughs> I love Damian Wayne, but like hit a Robin with a Batmobile. I don't know. Like backing out of the cave, like don't notice them because there are too many of them. He's like he's like talking to Tim Drake and he like backs up and like boom, shit. I forgot there was another one. I forgot both of you were here. Oh no. Alfred, we have to cover this up. <laughs> Just Batman stepping out of the car. Please tell me it was Dick or Jason. Anything else is a hate crime. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Jason is dead and he's like, drives oh. forward, hits him again in the back. <laughs> <and hits him laughs> 
don't worry, somehow he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, and he comes back like, I'm now the Purple Hood. (laughs) (laughs) You thought I was pissed before. You thought I was the edgelord before. Firmly the Guy Gardner of the Bat family. (laughs) Same fans. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Oh, going for the Guy Gardner again on today of all days. Listen, I don't know what's important about today. I'm going to say it's Guy Gardner's birthday. Good. I'll send him shit in the mail. <laughs> it's low-hanging fruit. I hate that guy. Um, do either of you have any talking points, or should we do the listener question? Um, Let's do the questions. Yeah, I'm good for some listener questions. All right. I'll read the first one, if one of you two wants to read the Glenn one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. From Mullet Overlord. Dear Comics Collective, I'm super excited to see that you're all taking another crack at comics' best blonde bowman. I'm curious about your feelings on his relationship with his former sidekick and ward, Roy, especially in comparison to similar relationships like Barry and Wally, Arthur and Garth, and Dick and his mentor. Also, how spicy do you think the chili actually is? Thanks for providing us with this great podcast. I just have to say off the top. I might be slightly dyslexic, but I like to follow along while you read these. And I literally thought I said best blonde blowman. And I said, "Eh." (laughs) I listened to the last episode. (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh. I'm going to take a page out of what you, I'm going to actually take a note of what you said earlier, Dallas. And I think one of the things that makes Roy and um, Oliver's relationship a bit different than any of the others on the list is that I can actually buy Oliver being a father figure to Roy. And it's like Bruce and his Robins, they are a family. They say they're a family. And outside of Wayne Family Adventures, it's not as easy to see it, I think, as it is to see these two. I think I've seen the relationship between Bruce and Damien a lot like that, but it's I've not always seen that between him and his other kids. Oh, really? I feel like I really see it with Dick, but like the other two Robins, I was like, y'all are reaching. Frankly... <laughs> Frankly, a little presumptuous. Tim Drake, you have parents, frankly. <laughs> Go ahead. Had, ex- had excuse past tense. Listen, you assigned this family to yourself, Tim Drake. Jason, you're, Jason um, you're dead. You're, you're actively dead. Frankly, the fact that Arthur still remembers Garth is amazing and just kind of happened in new canon. Like, they re-met during, like, the DCU phase where he's just like, who the fuck are you? He's like, I'm Garth. He's like, I don't care. And then they, like, fought. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're best pals again. Our, I remember. Garth, like, Garth's like, I remember now because they went through some Titans thing with memory and timelines and bullshit. It was a lot of bullshit. Um and Barry and Wally, Barry <laughs> feels like the like the friendly uncle who will come by every once in a while, give you a pat on the back, say you're doing well sport, and then disappear. I feel like Barry has asked Wally a lot of uncomfortable questions. So Wally's like, we're not close enough to talk this way. <laughs> like, Barry will be like, Linda's keeping it tight, right? And Wally's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> what are He's, you talking about? Wally's He's like, like man, me, me and Iris, it's like, that is my aunt. Wally's like, I may be a Midwestern conservative, but I do respect women. <laughs> Barry's like, man, have you ever found that because you're the fastest man alive? And he's like, don't say it anymore. Stop talking. Stop saying what you're saying. Oh, but yeah, that's about where I stand on that one. Yeah, I feel like they have the most fleshed out relationship in my brain. And mm-hmm. maybe it's because of the, I mean, the famous cover with Speedy doing drugs and mm-hmm. Green Lantern being like, Green Arrow, don't kill the child. 
<laughs> like I kind of feel like they've gone through some shit in sure. a way that would bring them closer to oh yeah together. It's something that, with the exception of maybe like Bruce and Jason, it's a trauma that I don't think a lot of other superheroes have had to have with their proteges. Was it that dramatic for Batman <laughs> to lose the worst Robin? He had to. <laughs> It was because he had to pick up Tim like a year later. <laughs> a ten-year-old shows up at a store. Figure out who you are. He's like, God damn it, damn it. Tim was there definitely the kid that bites. Absolutely. <laughs> Tim Drake still wears Batman underwear. <laughs> We're gonna have the bat stands on us. It's gonna be. It's We're done. We're over. Listen, whoever Tim Drake's little boyfriend is, whose name I forget, Bernard. Bernard's like, wow, wow, wow. And he's like, are these Batman underwear? And Tim's like, spoiler, thought they were neat. A thousand percent say pow on there somewhere. (laughs) To the Batcave, Robin. all Robin outfits just Batman underpants? (laughs) (laughs) You're so right for this. Um, And how spicy do you think the chili actually is? I think it's pretty damn spicy. I think it's pretty hot. It, it's brought every member of the Justice League to their freaking knees. I love chili. I love chili, too. Chili's good. I, Can we get that recipe? Yeah, Oliver Queen's chili is legitimately one of the only fictional foods that I would kill to try. Because I need to experience it. I need to see it. Yeah. It has I, to happen. I'd like to taste it myself, she says. All right. Should we read the Glenn question of the week? Absolutely. I can do that. Perfect. Dear Questers, one, haven't read much of Meltzer's other comic work. Brief thoughts on Identity Crisis and his league. Oh, nope. Starting off simple then, I see. And small thoughts on Identity Crisis. Um, two, I think I like this much more. I think I like this much more than the much better known Quiver, Am I Crazy? Question mark. And three, can I request the excellent run by Lemire and Sorrentino down the line? Thanks, Glenn. Question number so, one, I've not read either of those books. Me either, Okay, right? so, <laughs> great, I get to answer that one on my own. Um, Meltzer's League is one of my favorite Justice League books. It has one of my favorite teams. It's one of the only ones that doesn't pull from, like, the traditional, like, seven for the entire time. We get Vixen in there, which is really fun. There's a little line in here that Meltzer includes where um, Ollie's like, you should be on the Justice League to Roy, and Roy actually is on Meltzer's Justice League. So that was a nice little foreshadowing there and i think he does great on that team it's it's a great little justice league era it's really fun and as for identity crisis anything i say is going to be really hot um button discussion identity crisis is one of the stories that is really vehemently hated online it's um a story that has a lot of rightfully earned criticism about its treatment of women and a lot of retcons that happened in the era I think it's a complicated story for me because when I read it originally without the framework in mind about how women were treated in comics, and I was reading it just like, it was one of the first crisis books I read because I just picked up like every book that said crisis on it when I was reading DC for the first time. I'm like, oh, let's give this a shot. And I thought as a crime procedural, it was, it was smart. I thought it worked. But looking back, the things that it does to Sue Dibney and to, um, oh God, it was so unnecessarily cruel towards its female characters and it's hard to read through 
going back and looking at it. It's it's a lot. If you're interested, I think I think it's look worth a look. I like the um the Deathstroke fight is really fun and there's some other great moments in it. It definitely keeps you guessing to the end who the murderer is. But like if you're someone who's easily upset by things like sexual assault and graphic violence, don't don't bother with it. It's not worth your time. Hell yeah. Number two. Is it crazy to like this more than Quiver? I like this more than Quiver. Yeah, no, I think it's perfectly fine. Like I said earlier, this was the book that won me over on this Green Arrow run to begin with. So yeah, I think it's perfectly fine. All right. And then third question. I'm going to have either of you read the Lemire Sorrentino run. No. All right, Alexis, I'm going to pitch you on it. It is sort of like a much younger Oliver Queen. And it focuses much more on how he becomes Green Arrow. It has really, really fancy artwork um, that is kind of like trippy and surrealist. And you meet... You find out basically that like Green Arrow is like the totem for the arrow and there's like spear people and there's like sword people and it's it's very good. It's a really fun run that I I think we would enjoy reading, honestly. If you want to go back to that question we had earlier, it's like, do you prefer the tone of this or the tone of Arrow? That's actually a pretty good litmus test because that book came out during Arrow's height and has a much more Arrow-esque approach to Oliver Queen as a character. It is. I think it's a really solid run, though. It well, during the New Fifty Two, the only two books I never dropped were Batman and Green Arrow. I really liked that Green Arrow run. So it's it's solid, even though I don't like that tone for the character. I still think the run is really really interesting, and it introduces some really great characters. I think it's a little bit like New Fifty Two Wonder Woman that way, where like yeah. I don't like that Wonder Woman, but it's a good book. That if you can just like get over the fact that it's a different tone for the character than what you may like, yep. it is really well constructed. Well said. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Do either of you have any final thoughts about Green Arrow? Hmm. Green Arrow rules. We need to read more of Green Arrow. Green Arrow, pretty good. Black Canary, even better. It's facts. Literal facts. We should oh. read Green Arrow, Black Canary by Judd Winnick. That's a fun run. And Cliff Chang does art on it, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic artist. That would be very fun. I had the trade for that, and then I moved, and I sold that trade before I ever read it. So I love when that happens. love when I have a book <laughs> and sell that book before I read that book. Been there, done that. Outstanding work, me. Should we go into our final credits, you two? We shall. Absolutely. All right, everyone. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account, which I believe is just The Comics Collective, right? Just that all spelled out? Yep. Perfect. Go follow us there. Dallas makes really fun videos with his cute face. You can go see him. Um, or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics at Ann Comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoy the show and want to show your support, give us a little something back, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show like these lovely people. We've got some this week. All right, so from 
Twiffly. Uh, we have, I was scrolling about my For You page, as I always do, and I consistently kept seeing this blonde guy with glasses pop up with great comic book takes and recommendations. And after seeing enough of him, I said I ought to give you a follow. As I was looking through your page, I realized it was all a sneaky hoax because it was secretly all an advertisement for a podcast. You caught me. Uh, this was fine, though, because I work long days where I just need to plug my headphones in and chug along. So I always have my eyes open for new long form content. I went ahead and listened to your most recent episode on Miss Marvel, and it's got the same chill vibes and great insight that you're t- from your TikTok. So I guess the advertisement worked. I'm a huge fan of Miss Marvel, and I was also raised Mormon. I'm not currently part of any religion, but I could totally relate to your guys' insight on that kind of upbringing, and how even though I am also a white guy, I see a lot of myself in Kamala's stories. I hope you guys keep up the great work. I am currently listening to your saga discussions and really enjoying them. I am excited to go back and listen to more of your backlog and looking forward to new episodes coming out. I That made me feel so special, so thank you for that. And then Saul's Comic Patrol wrote in and said, you guys have such an insightful and fun way of talking about comics and sometimes manga. It's a great way to introduce others to this amazing medium. I think that you guys are the gold standard for when it comes to talking comics, especially when we are in this age of toxic behavior for when it comes to nerdy and geeky things. You guys are all great. Keep at it. Excelsior. Thank you so much for the reviews. I love those Those so so much. Guys, my TikTok hoax worked. <laughs> you are right. Oh, that is good. fully there to get people to come here. This is the project I care about. Like everything else <laughs> is just funnels to get people to these conversations. Because I want them to hear me talk about how Hal Jordan won't bottom for Oliver Queen. That's the real content. The real content. And you know, the, the actual things we say about the story too. But that's not as mm. important. Less important. We, we know it brings the people. <laughs> and it's Oliver Queen's chili. <laughs> it's Oliver Queen's. I could use some. I'm so over COVID, and I'm pretty sure if I ate that chili, it would burn its way out of my system. It would. Oliver Queen's chili would defeat COVID-19. It could cure anything. I, I need it. Uh, with all that being said, if you would like to email us any of your questions or comments for next week, Please feel free to send them all to the comics collective at gmail.com. You don't have to just send them about the episode that we're doing either. Uh-huh. Like if you're you just like, just ask us like our favorite food or something. Yeah. You <laughs> ask the next person who sends us just like a general question that we can all write in. Because sometimes with the questions are like, what are your opinions about this other story? Like I feel bad because Alexis just kind of like watches me and Anne be like, pop, 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 pop. send like, me specifically questions. Yeah. So if you send like, <laughs> send these, me your skincare concerns and I will answer them on the pod. Bingo. If you send us some broader questions, I think that could be very fun. So there's a little invite here at the end of the show. You should ask Dallas what he thinks about Star Wars Rebels. It's I would, bad. It's bad. <laughs> Boring. How many episodes you watched? Ugly. How many episodes? Um, the Love three that. minutes when Obi Wan fights Darth Maul. That's You're full of shit. You're full of shit. That's all Bullshit. I've <laughs> Literally all I've watched. <laughs> Trash. It's okay. That makes you an authority on Twitter. It's fine. Mm-hmm. all right everyone if you want to tune in next week for our episode we will be going over finally the long-awaited invincible 
first part because we're chunking this one up like we have in the past with some of our big ones. But we're very excited to be inviting Evan back onto the pod. So BFF Evan from the pod. BFF Evan, you know, Dallas's side chick that he does his other podcast with. Cheater. It's Cheater. Yeah, so we'll be covering the first quarter of Invincible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anything Mm -hmm. that happens in the first 25% of that story, fair game for next episode. Wait, what issue is that? Like 33? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Okay, cool. Very nifty for anyone reading along. Yeah. I think you're gonna like it, you bunch of weenies. I'm very excited. You should read the comic. Don't just watch the show. Don't don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching this show. Okay, thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.